I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. edition of the Lost Words podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. How are you? Very good. Jason, we haven't been on since you uh, you couldn't take your victory lap for Patrick Cantley as we were away last week. So well done for that one. Yeah, it's been a long time since, Tom. It's been a long time, thank you. <laughs> yeah, a lot has happened since then. And we've also got Ben Coley joining us ever. Ben, thank you for coming on. Hi, Tom. Thank you again for having me on. Yeah, and another victory lap for you as well with Jonathan Caldwell yesterday as well at uh, 150 to 1. So, uh, a very exciting couple of weeks for you two. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a nice boost. Um, you know, I don't know, we were talking about it just before we came on, but it's, it's a pot here or there, isn't it? it? And it makes such a difference because you end up sort of disappointed with 150 to 1 second, which you'd always have taken at the, heart, the start of the week. But had he, had he not won, having missed a two-footer on the 17th, that would have been... Uh, pretty upset about it but yeah no doubt I've had probably more than my fair share of luck uh, this year um, if it could just last until December and we could back a record year that'd be nice but I'm well aware it'll go uh, it'll go badly for the summer or something like that well what we want you to do Ben is, is turn that fortune into major uh, wins for us because uh, every time we have you on you, you you tell us that they don't quite translate into major victories but I think that's going to turn around this time around I'm glad to hear it, Tom. Thank you. I think of all the majors, I'm going to peak. It'll either be this one or the Open, I would say that. But I think the Open's the one that probably all of us would would most relish taking on because of all the, you know, the, you probably feel a little bit more like you've got an angle into that, um, which can be difficult with, with US Opens and US PGAs and stuff. But um, look, it'll have to go some, won't it, to live up to the US PGA from last month. But, um, but all the ingredients are there, so fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. I think we've been... Uh, pretty fortunate, I think, in, in the, the major storylines. We've had Jason this year in terms of Hideki getting his first major win at Augusta and then with Phil at the PGA. So uh, it's going to have to go something to beat those two stories. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's loads of it about isn't there? You've got that. You've got, obviously, Higo going stratospheric. Um, I mean, it, it, it just goes on and on. You've got Richard Bland winning first time in 7,000 years. You know, <laughs> it just it does, does seem as though there's an enormous amount of stories wherever you look this year. And... Uh, I think you might have another one this this week, but um, it might be a bit more predictable. Yeah, so we're at Torrey Pines this week, the first time he's played the US Open since 2008. Uh, as we all know, it was the year that Tiger Woods won on one leg, so uh, we'll get that one quickly out of the way and move swiftly on. Uh, unfortunately, he's not here this week, um, still recovering from his car accident. Um But yes, uh, you know, 7,652 yards past 71. Jason, when we look at, and this has been much discussed over the past week or so, when you're evaluating your players, how much stock did you put in the general Farmers Insurance Open form for Tory Pines? I, I, I like PMA. I like positive mental attitude as a, as a player approaches a course, whether they've changed it or not. And, and I know that the, the changes weren't as dramatic uh, at the Memorial um, just you know a few days ago. Um, but, you know, the top three had a lot of, a lot of positive mental attitude about the place came into it and and okay you know John Rahm unfortunately got withdrawn but um, they were there and they've got huge huge course forms so I, I, I do put um, quite a big weighting on, on that type of thing but it is a US Open and, and players know it's a major um, so perhaps you can you can knock that down you know a few percent um, yeah it's a different course um, 
I think the par five, the par five six is now par four, making it something ludicrous. We'll see. I don't know if you saw Paul Tesori, uh little interview. I just managed to catch it as I was waiting for you lot. Uh, Tesori was on there saying that he, he, I don't know how true this is, but the USGA after winged foot um, obviously realised that it was biased towards one or two players. And we're talking about, as you go further down the hole, the rough gets higher and out. Whether that's true or not, I have no idea. So so it gives, obviously, the shorter hitter, whatever that is, the 300-yard hitter, less rough should they miss the fairway. Um, and then, the you know, the Brysons and that, if they miss the fairway, which they're obviously going to do, hitting it at that speed, um, are going to get the worst rough. Whether that's true or not, who knows. But, yeah, overall, I, I think there is a case for that, but... Tory's always followed into things like the Genesis and Phoenix Memorial and all those top events anyway. So overall form in those top events, um, difficult conditions, wind. It's obvious, but that's what it was for me. Yeah, Ben, I think you, you kind of echoed the statements as well in the fact that you're putting enough stock in, in the general farmers insurance open form without completely discounting it. So I've seen some people go as far as to say that, um, you know, it's almost a, uh, a positive who have never played well there before, which seems absolutely ridiculous. And people were sort of looking at Xander's, you know, multiple miscuts before he finished second. I think things can change so quickly at a golf course, regardless of whether it's changed tournaments or not, that, that really we don't want to look for any any negatives inside the thing. If, if you play well here, it's surely just treated as a bonus. Yeah, definitely. It's the icing on the cake, I would say. The, I mean, the fact is, I, I think if you look back at 2008, and there's, there's a mixed bag, obviously, on the one hand, Tiger Woods, a seven times winner, of the farmers um was the winner of the us open as well and i think if you look at pebble beach for instance when they hosted the us open two years ago pretty much everybody woodland um everyone behind him you know ches reeve even uh chesson hadley was in the top 10 they got some form in the at&t pebble beach Pro, which is even more different because that's got three courses yeah. and amateurs um and the form did carry over quite well um i wouldn't let it put me off totally and i think there are extenuating extenuating circumstances such as the fact that a lot of the guys just don't play it that often. I mean, Justin Thomas hasn't played it since 2015. I think Bryson hasn't played it for three years. Um, you know, there, there are players who do not play that event who are world-class. So obviously you're not going to see the crossover. Um, so we'll see how it pans out, but I can't believe that if someone you fancy has played well in the farmers, you should let that put you off. If anything, it has to be a benefit. It's the same golf course, you know, at the end of the day. And as Jason said, with, with the positive mental association or whatever, it, for me, the fact is, all the things that make it hard in January are going to make it hard this week. Narrow fairways that are really hard to hit, thick rough, hard greens. They're all still they all still happen in January. It just sometimes rains a bit in January. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? It's a, it's a slightly different test in that sense in terms of the time of year. And I think maybe the, re the real difference is kind of the amount of you know events people have played. I mean, like you say, they, not many people play here at the start of the year. Um, they, you know, they might have been lightly run if they have, or come from overseas, and and all of a sudden, Jason, they've had had a few months to get into it, and now coming here in tip-top shape. Yeah, they're prepared for it, haven't they? Hopefully, um, yeah. We'll see what happens. It's, 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 you know, we'll know next week, won't we? Whether um, what, what has happened, we can only we can only surmise. Um, we'll see. We'll see. There looks to be a few that that warmed up over the last couple of weeks, um, rather than go gung ho. Um, and, and obviously their their sort of asset may well be either hindered or um, you know maybe more positive this week. 
Who knows? But like you say, I, I can't see that, that any form playing um, on this area, on the West Coast, um, one in particular that I really like, um, can do any harm at all. Um, yeah, it's going to be won by... Look, if we go through the history, I think that was that was also put up. You know, 11 of the last 13 have been won by the top 30 in the world. 7 out of 10 of the top 15. Um, every US Open winner since 2008 has had a top 10 in the last five starts. 11, 11 out of 13 have had a top five. You're already talking winners. You're talking top class. So there should be no surprise whatever happens. I, I'm just hoping it doesn't it doesn't turn into um, Wingfoot. Um, that's it. If it does, then then we're probably stuffed. Um, but I, I don't think it will be. I think it'll be. I'm hoping it will lean slightly more on um, a bit of accuracy. But that's the way I've gone. Yeah. So we the last few times, Jason, we've spoken about John Rahm as a as an overwhelming favourite. We've kind of discounted him, um, and he's quite a bit shorter than everybody else in the market this week because of his uh, record at Tory Pines. Absolutely blitzed the field. Um, before being pulled out for COVID at Memorial. Um, do you buy into this kind of vengeance side of the story? I think a lot of that is, is kind of what people are going for, in a sense he's going to be so sort of mad at himself that he's going to want to, or mad at the, the, the PJ Tour, that he's going to come out and try and stick it to them by winning this. I would have thought he had plenty of motivation to try and win a major championship. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be mad and play in this course, to be honest with you, because you could end up dropping shots everywhere. Um, I don't think he's, but I think he... he I think he likes the bit of the reputation that he's a little bit of a, a hothead. Hmm. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I, you know, he's a professional golfer. I mean, his results are stunning. Um, if you look back over the, I mean, if we just take the last two or three, I mean, off the tee, tee to green is just you know, massive. I mean, it makes sense because, you know, Ben's always pointing out, you know, the further down you hit it, you know, the shorter iron you've got. The shorter iron you've got, the easier it is to get out of the, of the rough stuff. Um, it makes a lot of sense. But you look at Ram. I mean, you know, all I did was off TT green greens in reg and total driving, um, and some various courses, and Rams everywhere. I mean, it's just it, it just it's impossible. And obviously, we know he was you know 52 shots clear um, when we draw in at Memorial. Whether he would have won or not, we don't know because obviously he goes shots away the year before uh, before winning. Um, but he's just everywhere. There's there's very little negative. Apart from okay, the doubt that he, you know, what's he done in the last two weeks? Well, I'm not really worried. Um, he's professional golfers, um, and his price. Um, uh, and when the market opened, I think he was around about ten to one, um, sort of yesterday when a couple of firms put him up. The, my only op, my only thing is, you can have two of any of the next ten, twelve players who are absolute world class winners and fit the profile for the same price as one John Rahm. And that is my only negative against him. Otherwise, absolutely rock solid. You know, he's flying and uh, it looks a bit to nothing if you can, you know, if you can get double figures first nine, first ten. Yeah, I mean, if he, if he was 14 to 1, 12, 14 to 1, or even just a bit closer to the others, or, you know, I think there would be no doubt that he'd be a selection. Ben, I think he'd be very popular if, if that was the case, maybe with yourself as well. Yeah, I think he's one that bookmakers knew they were going to lay. Um, regardless, and I, and I do think, and it's not criticism of anyone who puts him up. Um, we all have the price we think they should be, or whatever it may be. Um, I think if you go 14s, John Rahm, you get filled in, don't you? So um, he was always going to be favourite, and I think there there are reasons to doubt um, a couple around him in the market. And you know, in in racing terms, you could call him a winner without a penalty. 
Um, but obviously in golf, there's no handicap for winning. Um, it's, you know, for me, it's that question mark of how does he react to it? Um, I, I really don't know the answer. I mean, you could argue it either way. You could argue that it, it will further incentivize him. It will really sharpen his focus. Um, you could argue it has no impact whatsoever. Equally, you could argue that having a PGA Tour title essentially taken off you. I mean, I don't see a way in which he didn't win that. Um, in the circumstances it happened, um, that's a really tough blow for a guy who's, you know, had a year of change in his life and, um, you know, hasn't performed as he'd have liked to, at the highest level. He was very frustrated at Keogh Island. All of a sudden, after six, in fact, longer, nine months of waiting for his game to click, he gets it taken out of his hands. Um, I don't know how he will respond. Um, and that's enough of a doubt. I, th- I do think, for me, it was it was just that that nagging doubt that you, you're talking a ten to one shot who's never had a look at winning a major. Um, he's he's never really been close, and he will be close, won't he? And I've written in my piece that you know probably go back to as far as 2017. You say, well, when's John Rahm going to win a major? Think, well, if he hasn't won one by Tory Pines in 2021, he'll probably win that. Um, and if he wins, he'd be the most obvious winner in in many years, I would say. Um, of, of majors probably yeah I suppose you couldn't say it was more obvious than DJ winning the Masters but that sort of level is what we're talking but 10 to 1 someone who's not tasted the lead in a major on Sunday that's short enough for me and that's the thing is that like you say he's his record if you just look at it at the bare bones he's got what is it four top 10s at the Masters including two top 5s a fourth at the PGA a third at the US Open another eight for the PGA and, and he's not actually really been in contention as those he's kind of found his way up been solid without really uh leading from the front so that was that was the same for me really it was i couldn't see a reason to dive straight in other than the fact that he's got spectacular you know tory pines form and and many others i think just fit the bill just as nicely and and you know are a slightly bigger price um one of those dustin johnson came back to form uh last week um threw it away down down the stretch i think um but that's typical of Dustin Johnson. He'll go out and win another couple before the year's up, I'd have thought. So 16 to 1. Is there any thoughts on him, Jason, at all? No, I'm not, I'm not doing Dustin at the moment. I, I, this, I mean, obviously, he loves California. We know that. He absolutely adores Pebble. Um, he's, he's, there's something not right, and I think you're going to have to be absolutely your peak this week. Um, I didn't like it. when it, Did he hit the front? He did hit the front, didn't he, over the uh, first couple of days, didn't he? Yeah. I think um, I didn't like it at all, Tom. I, I I still think he's not he's not all. I mean, look, it's Dustin Johnson. He can wander around and and win by five. But um, I think this is going to be an absolute struggle, and he just doesn't look doesn't look right. I don't I don't think he's quite got his driving right. Um, but again, we you know, is it going to is it going to be a bomber's track? And it doesn't matter where it goes. I don't know. There's a few there that. You just worry about it. You just, I just can't see him. He doesn't look the type that he's going to start saving shots and not double bogey. Um, and he's got a win at the price. I think he's got a win. And there are others that I prefer. So I think he's probably um, the weakest out of out of the next four or five. Yeah, I mean, like you say, the California form with with his three wins at Pebble, uh, Tour Riviera. You know, absolutely spectacular nose. He's won a few times on on Pearl Green, so there, there's everything to like about him. Ben, is is it just a price thing for you? 
Yeah, I, I kind of agree with most of the things Jason said. I, you know, last it's only three weeks since I tipped him for the USPGA, um, but I put him up. Oh, it's boring, but basically on the strength of his his long game, certainly his driver in in the two performances before that. Well, he was no better with his ball striking last week than he was the week before the PGA. Um, well, it was three weeks before the PGA at the Valspar. Um, so although the, the finishing position is better, the fact that he was on the leaderboard is better. Um, that's maybe hidden a little bit by his, his short game. And uh, actually the concerns you would have had before the USPGA still exist. And whereas there we got 20s on a course, which I thought he'd really enjoy. Yeah, he obviously didn't turn up. Um, 14 to 1 I guess it's once been bitten twice shy but also although he's played quite well at Torrey Pines in the past I think if you you look at his body of work there for a player of his caliber um you know he's played there what uh 10 times he's got one top 10 um you know it's not everything um but it's it's enough of a worry I think if DJ plays any event 10 times I'd expect him to have at least three or four top 10s so um yeah he's he's by no means a specialist and as Jason said uh, there are a couple of issues, so he, he's not for me. No, I completely get that. Say, so if someone doesn't play it for the last four years, I know he tends to go overseas early part of the year, but that is probably kind of a sign that he doesn't particularly like the test itself. Jason, you're obviously a big Xander Schauffele fan, and we'll come to him in a moment. My my Brooks Kepka theory, I, I I still don't really want to back him because I think there's there's some doubts over him at the moment. But I was looking at him at 18 to one. There's people going. You know, straight in at Xander at 18s, 20s, 16s, whatever, because he's got these these four top fives in the US Open. Brooks Koepka's, you know, won US multiple US Opens and and come up runner up in others. So surely, if that's the theory of backing Xander, why you should almost just back Brooks Koepka or Masley? I just don't think we know what Brooks is going to do. And and again, you know, that's fine at, at you know 66, 80 to one week by week. Um, yeah, that, that, that's basically my summary. I've just got no idea what he's going to do. He can say what he wants, do what he wants. He's all got a bit silly on the media now, isn't it? Um, who knows what's going to happen? They're all calling for a Brooks uh, Bryson X um, three ball. Um, I, I still don't actually think he knows particularly where the ball is going off the tee. Um, but, yeah, you, you can't knock his US Open form. His course form here is... Is pretty awful, isn't it? Um, it doesn't do a lot um, in these parts of the world, and he don't. To be honest, he doesn't appear in virtually any of of the figures that you know I've worked on and on the same formula that I've done for the last couple of months now. Um, and therefore, I'm quite happy to put a line through him. To be honest, yeah. I mean, statistically, it doesn't tend to stand out that often. And, and Ben, I, I kind of just put it down to. There's that, that hidden ability of confidence, and he just comes in more confident than anybody else in major championships. Whether he's sort of fooling himself or not, it seems to work. But, you know, fourth, 18th, 13th, uh, two wins and a second in the US Open, um, you can see why he'll have plenty of backers. I just wonder whether he's going to be distracted this week with the, uh, the media circus. Yeah, that would be one concern. I, I guess the other thing to say on that would be, and I do agree with you, but you know, once upon a time, Rory McIlroy walked into a major as the most confident man on the property, didn't he? And yeah. how many more times would Kepka have to play poorly in the final round uh, for his to genuinely be knocked? Now, he'll never reveal that in any way, but he was really poor. And I think a lot of people thought going into the final round of the US PGA back in August that he would win, and he finished 29th. 
Um, okay, he's finished second at Kia Round, and I don't seek to criticise him, but that was not Brooks Kepka. I, I thought his game over after the first hole. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's taking the lead straight off Phil Mickelson. You just thought, oh, this is going to be this going to be really boring. We're going to, you know, it's going to birdie two of the next six holes. It'll be three shots clear at the turn, and they won't get a look at him. And instead, he never got a look at Mickelson after I think the fifth or sixth hole. So that's a definite worry. Um, and to Jason's point around not knowing what to expect, I mean, what is it? Six miscuts, mis- a first, two seconds, and a 38th in his last dozen starts. I, it's really difficult to know exactly what he'll do, except that he'll gain a couple of strokes off the tee because that's what he's been doing every week. And, and I think that's the underlying positive, that he does seem to have his driver back close to where he'd want it. Um, and it all then comes down to his approach play, which when it's, you know, he needs it to be really good. Um, but it, but it's, again, to your point, um, and the reason he doesn't come up statistically very often is he can go from being one of the best iron players on the planet one week to being fairly terrible the next. The big positive um, is that he did strike the ball well last week when he missed the cut. And I don't think he was kidding us when he said that was kind of a, a decent, uh, a decent prep because I, I sort of worry whether four rounds in South Carolina in June is a good way to prepare for a US Open. He got two and he saw the positives in his long game. He just putted and chipped poorly. Um, so I think his preparations go is is probably a bit underrated. But that being said, um, I, I, I really don't know what to expect. He's one of the, I'd rather just wait. And then if you are of the view that these performances on Sundays in majors have been a, a minor blip or whatever, you could back him in play, can't you? Yeah, it has it has been worrying those, those last couple because certainly at Harding Park he just he just looked completely broken and, and I know there's been a lot of it uh, surrounding his injury and I think but I think sometimes I think you know he's playing so well up until that final round uh, at the PGA behind Mickelson that as soon as he kind of missed that putt you thought oh god you know what's going on and and suddenly you start seeing his a bit of a tweak to the knee and it, it's almost like a, a ready-made excuse for him and actually I just think he he kind of wasn't as as indestructible as he first was, and, and maybe he doesn't want to show that, but which you know obviously doesn't. Um, the other man in that media circus, Ben, is your headline selection uh, this week, and Bryson DeChambeau. Yeah, and look, the, the the same concern definitely does apply. I don't think it's a good thing for either of them, um, and maybe there's an element on Bryson's part, and I, I do think people would probably come down on the side of where well, Brooks will be okay, but Bryson it'll it'll destroy him. I think it probably underestimate DeChambeau's mental capacity. Uh, you know, he, he's done all these things since he came on tour. And we think back to when he you know, side saddle putting and, you know, all the way he goes about things, he knows what he's doing. He's, he covets attention and he doesn't really mind, I don't think, if that attention is not always positive. In fact, it's hardly ever positive. Um, so it, it is a bit of a worry, but there'll be a part of him which thinks, look, this guy's giving me all the stick. What if I could you know, win back-to-back U.S. Opens just like he did. Um, and, and there will be an element of that. Now, I'm not suggesting anyone needs extra motivation for this week. But um, if we can if we can take as, as a given that he, he can he can handle that side of things, then he's got an outstanding chance. Um, I think, fundamentally, we learned at Wingfoot that his methodology um, under the right circumstances puts him at an enormous advantage. Um I'm worried about what Jason said about the rough. That it, you know, if they do make the rough longer at 400 yards than at 250, I, I'd say that's probably pushing towards unfair. Um, to be quite frank with you, if they do that, um, not because I put up Bryson, but because that's not really the idea that you should be 
uh, okay in the rough at 250, but not at 350. That doesn't really make any sense to me. But if, if they do that, that'd be a concern. But otherwise, I just think this is the perfect setup. And if you keep playing tournaments on long golf courses, and this one can stretch to nearly 7,800 yards, and you go thick rough, and you go the, the, the fairways hit percentage is about 50 for the field, you play that over and over again. And the player, I think, who you would see most often in contention is Bryson DeChambeau. Um, I think, he, uh, you know, Rory McIlroy spoke about it after winged foot, that it's not just the strength, it's the length of his shafts, it's the angle of attack. Uh, and you look at winged foot, I think you, you, two of the fastest, hardest hitters in the sport, DeChambeau and Matt Wolf, had it between them. And I kind of viewed this event as potentially, unless the USGA decide to get creative, um, as a repeat of winged foot. And I was looking at that leaderboard as a really, really good guide. I think if you look at data golf, they tell you that Harding Park's also a really good guide and DeChambeau's in contention there. I think he's got everything in his favor, um, probably apart from the fact that he, he peaked in the spring and he's been a bit quiet lately, but everything's sort of been improving slowly. Um, and I'm happy with 18 to one, you know, he's, he was 12, 14 anti-post and he's won again since and, and we've got another five places. So yeah, absolutely happy with that. Yeah, and I think the other thing, obviously, about Harding Park is, you know, is California, and his California form is is pretty impressive without uh, without being very well, uh, very good here. Jason, I know you're not obviously Bryson DeChambeau's biggest fan, but do you take uh, what Ben says as as positives? Yeah, of course. I mean, if he's gonna if he's gonna win tournaments, these are the tournaments he's gonna win. I mean, it, it makes sense. You look back at the last um, few winners, last five winners. Obviously, Bryson uh, driving distance first, accuracy 140th. Woodland was actually the, the most accurate of the last five uh, US Open winners at 79. Brooks was 155, 154, and Dustin was 138. Dustin's obviously improved that massively now. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I just, it might be me. I mean, I, I don't want to, and I've tried not to let emotion cloud judgment. But I, was it at, um, I can't remember who did this, was it at Wells Fargo Memorial, where he hit that absolute ludicrous drive over a, a line that nobody else in the world could take left himself something like 76 yards on the fairway and bogeyed it and that to me is is a massive issue that I've got um, can't knock him, I mean you know you take these over these ludicrously massive par fours um, he's got a massive advantage, I mean again uh, I mean Rory's up there with him on the driving driving distance as well but um, you know Matt Wolf gone at the game isn't he anyway so it doesn't really matter if he's playing or not um it just that happens too often for me that's all i can say i've said it to you for ages tom um that's my problem with bryson i respect the fact that if he's going to do it it's going to be here but it's not going to be for me and it's ben's flying and i wish he i wish i didn't think that <laughs> <laughs> well you know not with the 18 to 1 shots in majors i'm not so <laughs> It's, it's all about opportunity, though, isn't it? You know, like you say, there he sets himself up with seventy-six yards and then bogeys it. But you know, if he keeps doing that, eventually he's going to he's going to convert them into birdies. And if he can give himself four looks of that, then then that is you know massive, especially in the U.S. Open where the scoring is not going to get too low. You wouldn't have thought. Um, rounding up the sort of top six, uh, Rory McIlroy and Xander Schauffele, Jason. Either of those two appeal to you? Uh, Rory over Xander. Um... And that's, I don't let me say that. Sanders obviously going to win next year's Masters. We know that. Much, <laughs> be, much better effort this year than it was when I actually backed him too heavily um, back in November. Um, yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think Rory looks like it's coming to me. 
Um, I, I won't back him at the price, to be honest with you, although we, we always say that these players get to a price that potentially is too big. Um, what is he? He's 20 to 1 now, hasn't he? Yeah. 20 to 1 for a, for a place on the first page of the leaderboard of the US Open. Um, you know, a tournament in which he's been top 10, you know, ninth and eighth in the last last two runnings. Um, it, it, I think he looks like he's getting there. Um, again, it's, it's a similar worry to Bryce DeChambeau is where the where's the ball going to go? Um, I don't think either of them actually know where it's going off the tee. Rory's been pretty poor in some tournaments um, in terms of that. Is that going to matter if he's going to be boshing it 350, 360 yards along with Bryson this week? I don't know, I, but but I would much prefer Roy. I think he's ready to do something now. Um, I'm just not sure when to be on, and it's not going to be this week. But it's you know he he fits three of the four particular criteria that I wanted. Um, though he was not that far behind somebody like John Rahm, and he's doubled the price. I'm not going to back him because how many sub 33, how many sub 25s can you back? But um, yeah, he was definitely on the list. I'm expecting something. Yeah, I mean, 5th, 3rd and 16th in the three attempts at the golf course mm. suggests he, uh, he really likes it. Like you say, he's definitely showing flushes, especially with his irons. Uh, they were off for a little while and they certainly seem to be coming back over the last few starts and his, and his putting is certainly in good shape. Um, ben, I imagine the reason that you probably didn't put him up is just, like Jason said, his driving. I mean, that's his biggest asset and that's uh, his biggest weakness at, at currently. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to get ideas above my station here because i know nothing about this stuff but i do have to say with rory like and there's a romance to this as well but his driving is is among the best the sport has ever seen he's up there with greg you know greg norman people talk about and obviously more recently dechambeau now as, as the game is changing even further but dj over the years and you know players like Adam Scott, I guess, and Sergio Garcia. Rory McIlroy hitting a 330-yard draw off the tee is one of the finest sights in golf, and I'm not convinced that trying to change that into a into a fade is is necessarily going to work. And that's obviously absurd for me to say that. It's, Pete Cowan knows far more than I ever will about everything <laughs> related to golf, apart from maybe betting on it. But um, it's just a doubt. And like, if you look at the stats so far, if you were to and it's early days, and Pete Cowan would say that. If you were to look at the numbers so far, you'd say, well, he's he's solved his approach play, but in doing that, he's created a problem with his driver. Um, and that's a worry for me. Um, that being said, a lot of people will tell you fading it's good at Tory Pines. But yeah, it's just a, enough of a worry. The other thing, he's missed 10 cuts in majors. Five of them have been in the US Open. Now, you know, one of those was 2010, uh, 2012, and then 2016 through to 18. But he won it at Congressional when... You know, it was very, very soft. And although he's been ninth and eighth in the last two, he never had a look at winning at Wingfoot. He never had a look at winning at Pebble Beach. It, to me, it's the major which is always going to be the least suited to his game. Um, so for that reason, I would, I would leave him alone. But you know, twenty to one is the maximum you should ever be able to get about Rory McIlroy. So um, I wouldn't put anybody off. Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, isn't it? Is when you look at the U.S. Open that he won, it, you kind of call it a, almost a PGA and. And to your point, you know, he's had those miscuts in, in recent uh, years. So I, I would certainly agree with that. I do I do think, like we always say, Jason, as you alluded to there, that there's 20 to 1 is, is kind of the price that he seems to win at. And, and all of a sudden, everyone are kind of going, you know, I should have been on at 20 to 1. But that's just, the, you know, the, the hand you dealt this week. But 
Xander Shoffley obviously gets his uh, plaudits for a very good reason. Um, absolutely superb in this tournament. Um, was second here um, earlier in the year, which is you know a big change from from the multiple miscuts he'd had prior. Um, never outside the top six in this event, Jason. I, I genuinely thought you might put him up, but I guess the the twenty to one was too short. Yeah, I, I just this this things going on with him that I, I haven't been impressed with his bidding contention down the stretch. Um, that, that really, to be honest with you, that's it at twenty to one. It's, it's the same story again. I don't want to keep repeating, but it's the same thing. You know, if I've got no confidence in the player there, what's he going to do on a U.S. Open, green and around the greens when he's in contention? You know, um, Phoenix was horrible, both him and Spieth, wasn't it? Um, that was absolutely horrendous to watch. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen anything since then that makes me think he is ready to win, let alone um, a tournament like this. Um, so, yep, he's not on the ball, mate. No, Jordan Spieth, uh, very hit and miss in US Opens, obviously have won one at Chambers Bay, but otherwise... Um, has been largely disappointing and, and I don't think it's the right golf course for him, Ben, either. No, it wouldn't be for me. Obviously, he's won one over at Pebble Beach, hasn't he? Um, that being said, you, you'd say probably Poana Greens are, are the ones that you'd have the most doubts over. Um, he's playing well, isn't he? You know, he, he, I thought he played a lot better than his finishing position in the, in the PGA. Um, he, he was poor on Sunday at the Charles Schwab, but then he responded to an opening 76 at Memorial, which was probably a hangover and has finished 18th there. So you can probably upgrade that. And there, there, there is a sort of a way you can view it that actually four top tens in his last six could easily have been six top tens in a row. Um, and he is, you know, he's, he's the sort of price where you have to look twice at a peak form. If we can say his peak form, Jordan Spieth, but he's, he's a fairly horrible record at Tory Pines. Um, and, and I, I, I think he'd get gobbled up, um, because he, although his off the tee game is a lot better, um, there's still the miss, the short, crooked miss, and that, that costs you two shots very quickly around here. Yeah, one of the ones I, I took a really hard look at next up is Colin Morikawa. Um, he just, you know, fitted Bill in, you know, so many ways in par fours, in, in the approaches from, you know, if, if he's 175, 200, he's bang up there. If he has to, you know, chip out and go from 100 to 125, he's there again, top of that. Um, my, my major concern really was uh, the greens. I just thought that this would be, you know, being an unpredictable surface. I think you know the better passer you are, the, the more likely you are to deal with those. Uh, Jason, I don't know if you have a, a view on Colin Morikawa at all. Yeah, I backed him. Yeah, um, there you go. Yeah, now the, the worry for me is purely is purely off tee. Um, I, I was very impressed. I know he was totally off. Well, I say totally off. I mean, his figures are still great, but you know, to the to the viewer, he was he was off um, with his irons. Um, uh, well, final round, he was. I don't know what he was doing, to be honest with you. Uh, thank God he did do what he did because it meant Pat, Patrick Cantley got in. But I think both of them have got a massive chance here this week. Um, Morikawa, again, this is all going to be about. We don't know what the fairway is going to be like, um, but if being accurate is going to have an advantage, and I have to think it is. So I'm hoping there's not. It's not a guaranteed runoff into rough. Um, I, I think Mark has got an absolutely outstanding chance. Um, I, I, last week, his short game got him out of trouble. Um, if he's found something, um, and if he can add that to what is an unbelievable tee to green game, um, you know, probably the best in the business. Um, I, I absolutely love him. I cannot see him off the front page. Um, obviously, he's got form at the Memorial. 
um, your field, which fits in absolutely beautifully. They've got the Poana over CD Greens. Um, we won a PGA at Harding Park. We were very impressed then. Um, he did that. I mean, off the tee, I think he ranked 18th, something like that. Uh, approaches was 17. He was just solid all around the whole week. I know one hole gave him the two-shot lead, but he was up there with Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau. So they had the length as well that could have exploited these holes. They didn't do it. Morikawa was the best. Um, incredibly impressive, to be honest with you, um, for most of the season with his irons. Always been the greens. It's been a worry, but I've got a feeling last week did something. Yet to see it in evidence, but this is the chance we've got to take in 22-1, top first 10. So that's what I've done. And uh, yeah, I'm very, very happy, to be honest. Yeah, well, I, I thought that actually, you know, my one worry being the greens was was factored pretty fairly into his price at 22-1. to 1. You can get 25s as well if you want to take less places because, you know, that is that is the only concern for me. I know you, you say about his off the tee, but I think he's so accurate and he's so good with his long irons, a bit like Webb Simpson was in, in prior years that... I think you know that it doesn't really matter. I think he's just as accurate from from further back on the fairway than some of these are, you know, much further forward. So that didn't worry me. It was it was the power greens, but again, like you say, he's, he's won at Memorial. He's finished second there uh, as well. So or you know, he's won at Muirfield Village, should I say, uh, and second at yes. Memorial. So you know, he he's great, and and that is that was the only concern for me was the greens. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on Colin Morikawa? Yeah, nothing I can add really. Um, you know, if he puts okay, he'll be bang there, won't he? And uh, we saw at the PGA Championship, he, he he led the field in putting there and and won the tournament. Um, and if he ever does lead the field in putting, he'd have to do something seriously wrong, uh, not to be going very close to winning the tournament. Uh, he's banging form, and I, I think you put him on any golf course uh, when you've the qualities that he has. Um, and providing he doesn't have an absolute shocker on the greens, which he can, you know, um, we've seen them, uh, you know, for example, at Riviera this year, he hit the ball well enough to be competing for that title. Um, he finished 43rd. That is a risk. Um, but, you know, that none of them come without risk. And I generally gravitate towards players whose risk is in the short game department. So there, there's a definite case to be made. I, I, If I'm right about it, playing like wing foot, then... Obviously, he missed the cut there, and, and while that was probably a hangover from winning the PGA, it also demonstrates that it is difficult to keep hitting fairways and keep hitting those approaches from 200 yards. Um, it, it's more what happens, because I agree with you, like he can he can compete from the fairway um, two clubs more than, than Bryson. It's what happens when he misses the fairway and how good you are on that week at, at playing recovery. Um, but if he can do all that, there's, there's, look, he's, he's, he wins one, once every 10 starts and he's 20 up to one. So, yeah, there's not really uh, any major negatives. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is the ultimate amount of pressure he's going to put on himself uh, off the tee. You know, he's always going to have to try and get a little bit extra out of it. You know, the, there's, you're going to dread every time he does miss a fairway because he has got to advance the ball when he has got to do it. So it is the pressure factor that comes with it. But I certainly, like Jason said, don't see him being far off the leaderboard. Um Patrick Cantlow, Jason, have you gone in with him again? Again, how many can you back at this price? But again, he's... he's I mean, the only problem... I mean, he's got a... He's not got the most enviable of um, US Open uh, records, has he really, uh, Patrick Cantlow? But, you know, he was incredibly impressive um, after what had happened. Bit of distraction at the moment. I know he loves it there anyway, so he could probably go around in 68 with his eyes closed anyway. Um I thought it was incredibly impressive. It was a good fight between him and Morikawa. When he hit the front, 
Um, did it particularly look like he was going to get beat? Uh, it's about time because I've been banging on about uh, you know how much I like him for the last year and a bit or since we started this thing. Um, but yeah, I mean he's got again he's got similar form. He's rated seventh, I think, on sort of overall strokes gained um, in Korea at Pebble Beach, which which helps. Um, he's obviously got the Muirfield form as well. He was third in the 2019 PGA. I, I know it was, um, you know, not going to be quite as hard as this was, but that was behind Brooks, DJ and Spieth that we talk about in the highest highest terms. He's got form at Augusta, which does relate. Um, form at Genesis at Riviera. I just think he's peaking absolutely now is, is where he's at. This is the perfect opportunity for him to go and challenge properly for a major. It's just his course form is dire. Um, yeah. And when, you know, he's coming to this in a high, but but when I looked at the fact that him and Colin Mulcahy were, were similar prices, I felt there was only one way to go. Um, and it's not the all field, so I went, I went by Okawa. But Catley fits everything. Off the TT, green, greens and regulation, total driving, course correlation. He's in form. He fits, he fits everything. He fits the age. He fits the fact that he's won. He's at the top fives. He's in the top 30 in the world. I, I I couldn't put anyone off. He'll be someone I look at because, you know, should the names go, do anything silly on the first couple of rounds and just sitting there, I might go straight in. I know I missed the 11 places or whatever. But, um, yeah, he's he's one I'm definitely watching for the week. His last four starts in California, win second, third, 15th, um, which is obviously uh, incredible. California-born as well. The only thing that concerned me, if you look at Patrick Cantlay and his model of work, to me, you know, he looks the perfect US Open competitor. He doesn't get too high or low. He basically shows no emotion. You wouldn't know if he's birdied or bogeyed. Um, but he's never bettered that tied 21st finish as a, as a low amateur in 2011. So that was the slight concern along with the course form for me. Um, not to not to go through every name on here. Justin Thomas is, you know, this is the lowest I think he's been, been in the betting market for quite some time. Yeah, I really, really, really looked hard at Justin Thomas. You know, he won the he won the players at twenty to one. Um, yeah, he had a bit of sawgrass form and and what have you, which we don't have as much of here. He was tenth back in twenty fourteen in his rookie season, missed the cut the following year, and hasn't come back. Um, he's one of those who definitely would be more effective on the East Coast, but he's actually got quite a sneaky good record in California. Um, he could so easily have won the Zozo that Patrick Cantlay won. Um, he's he's got he's been close hasn't he in at Riviera I think two years now since he, he blew it on Sunday there um, so there's loads of things to like and one of the things that really caught my eye was that he's um, he started to drive the ball really well um, with the odd blip but he was second off the tee at Memorial and first in the Wells Fargo they're two of his last four starts um, sorry first at the Valspar so it's two of his last five his iron play's gone quiet but it's still good um, but he, he was so bad on the greens um, in the Memorial and the same at the Valspar. And he's really struggled with the putter on occasion this year. Um, like, you know, losing a shot and a half or more per round, which is, you, you just can't, you can't compete if, if you're doing that. Um, if he's found something, some improvement on the greens, then 25 to one could look very big. I think it was that combined with the fact that his major record is not very good. Um, he's a major champion, um, which will make it sound strange, but for a player of his caliber, when you start comparing his his returns with with a player like Shoffley or Tony Finau or whoever, um, you know he's got uh, what one win and four other top tens, um, and a lot of 
disappointing golf and that would extend to to both majors this year so there, there's just enough but look it's he's kind of like the same as rory justin thomas can't ever be bigger than 25 to one surely and and he's he's touching 25 so i'd rather back him than xander chauffle that's for sure um and and probably rather back him than quite a lot of players um but just not not quite uh, strongly enough for the shortlist yeah, like you say, t- uh, second, fourth, and second in three of his last seven starts in California. Uh, Zozo Genesis there. So, you know, he's had he's had great opportunities, but 108th over the last eight weeks, Jason, on the greens. Um, like we've said a couple of times, there still seems to be a little bit of something off of him, even when he won at the players. You know, that was obviously an emotional week, and, and it kind of looked like he was going to be back, and, and he's kind of not really kicked on since then. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, there's, there's, there seems to be something all the time, doesn't there, with him that he's not quite right. But um, yeah, again, can't argue with anything. What's there? Twenty-five to one about a man of, of that class, but his game's not there, is he? He doesn't appear on on the list that, that I need. And um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait. I think to see him come back properly. To, to he can't be bigger, but we don't want to be on. So that tells you everything. Back to back selections here for you now, Ben. So I'll let you lead the way. Mm, Tony Fina, I'm afraid. Um, you know, look, we could we could talk for hours, I'm sure, about the negatives. Um, he's not won enough. Um, I tend to think we we do overestimate how um, or underestimate how difficult it is to win and uh, the the margins. I mean, look, Riviera is a great example. If Max Homer, we all thought he was stymied. He had a shot. He played a great shot. He went on to win the tournament. Now you don't always have to and Jonathan Caldwell on Sunday great example yeah he played a great shot to birdie the last but he won the tournament after uh, Otegi three putted the last and Tony Finau's not had someone do that for him um, and same as Garrick Higo right he shouldn't have won that tournament brilliant though he is he shouldn't have won the tournament Hadley's finished bogey 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 it hasn't happened to Finau yet um, that's bad luck really but there of course is some blame on him because he's not gone and, and closed the door which he could have done at Riviera um, all those things being said we've got a person who gives you a 50% return on each way bets in in majors that's that's what he's done so far um, at, the, at the terms we now get and, and now we go to probably the most suitable course for him that we know about, the you know, course that he's played. Um, he's always produced the goods at Torrey Pines, including in January. Now, if you're someone who doesn't think that's worth anything, then he's not going to appeal to you because he's Tony Finau. He hasn't won in five years and he's 25 to one. If you, like me, believe that there's going to be an enormous advantage to big hitting and that Torrey Pines form is worth something, um, then you have to be interested in him. So um, I'm not going to tell you he's, you know, overpriced and should be 16 to one. That would be a lie. Um, but I do think he has everything in his favour, and he, he just keeps delivering in majors. And I think there's a real art to that, uh, a real skill to it. So um, yeah, he, I, I like him a lot. Um, I like Victor Hovland even more now. When I came on this podcast three weeks ago, um, I argued that 22, 20 to one was a bit on the short side for the PGA Championship. And the reason for that really was that it was it was based on one very speculative reason. Um, it was all to do with the type of grass on that golf course, right? And I said on that podcast that, you know, we only have to wait a few weeks and we've got a major where we don't have to speculate that because he won in Puerto Rico, he really likes Paspalum. We actually know that he's played Torrey Pines and he's been second. And not only that, he was better than Patrick Reed on the south course. Um, you know, that, that's that Friday round for those who remember it, he shot 65 around the South course. He gained 10 strokes on the field that day. Um, that does not happen a lot. I mean, in fact, John Rahm did it the other day at Memorial, uh, before it was wiped off. So 
he obviously there was something about it he liked and and i think when you start to piece together the rest of it you know top five on debut at riviera which is historically a very difficult course to go and produce on your first visit a winner of the u.s amateur at pebble beach not only that 12th in the u.s open at pebble beach while still an amateur um and i think there's a there's a very strong case that um playing in california's to his liking um stronger than the paspalum case so 25 28 to 1 um, when we know he can play around here uh, and when he did have a little taste of a leaderboard in a major because he started well at Keora Island. Um, yeah, I really like him. He, I, again, it's a bit like Finau. If this was six places, you'd want to get 33s. But with 10 places, I'll take the 25s. Yep, yeah, I, I echo everything you say about Tony Finau. I mean, it's just absolutely superb. A bit concerned, obviously, about his passing like we are most, uh, most times. But again, he seems to like this... Uh, this part and you just look and he, he could have won in each of his last three starts in California you know he's fourth at the Amex where he was leading after 54 holes he was second here at Torrey and then he was second again uh, at the Genesis when he lost him to Max Homer in the playoff and then you look at his uh, US Open form and it's 14th 5th and 8th against two miscuts so he's pretty boom or bust but he's absolutely uh, superb there so uh, yeah I really like Tony Finau as well uh, so he is my shortest selection, and I completely respect everything you said about Victor Hovland. Jason, any thoughts on the pair? Um, again, it's it's uh, you've summed it up, haven't you? I think you're getting the places, aren't you? You're getting the places where you, you know you're perfectly happy. Fina is just going to keep banging it and banging it and banging it in, wherever he can get the one. Who knows? Um, I really liked Victor Hovland as well, to be honest with you. Um, uh, again, he was he was part of that. How many can be back? Um, yeah, he was he was better than Reed. I think it was it the 14th. I think that he overshot two days in a row um, during the Farmers. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, he didn't learn from the first time, and then and then bogeyed it. The, the, you know, the day after, um, he was clear second um, in that event. I mean, Reed just I think done him for experience more than anything. The rock violet that he is, I'm sure we'll talk about him in a minute. Um, yeah, I, I I think Victor Hovland will win a major it'd probably be the PGA or something I think but um, yeah hugely talented big hitter great iron player yeah what more do you want I mean I was slightly concerned about his putting at Muirfield last week um, on not dissimilar greens but like we always say you know it's um, if that's just an outlier on his on his general uh, play what the hell so yeah I can't argue can't argue but um, again they were left out just, just because I was on uh Morikawa and I can't leave it above them as well. The other thing, Tom, if I can just add one more thing on Hovland that I meant to say is that there's a you, we all know his weaknesses around the greens generally, and although it's probably not as bad as uh, as it was, um, I'm just I'm fairly hopeful that the thick lies around the greens. Generally, my theory is that if you've got thick grass around the greens, good short game, bad short game, it's all kind of it becomes a lot more random. Um, and if that's the case, then that takes away the big weakness. But as, as Jason said, he did put horribly at the Memorial, so he will need to put that right. Yeah, absolutely. Going on to, to Patrick Reed, as we spoke about there, um, you know, he goes against the grain in everything that he does. I think that's fair to say. Um, you know, he, he wins tournaments that you probably think his profile shouldn't. Um, he goes and won, he won here earlier in the year, uh, in January. Um, like you say, five strokes ahead of, the, ahead of Tony Finau, Victor Hovland, and the rest. Um, you know, he just, if, if you look at the, the general profile that we're looking at, his big hitters, you know, excellent putters, he's streaky with his putting, but he generally gets on a roll. But you just look at 
where he's won. I mean, the Barclays in 2016, um, you know, Reese Jones uh, redesigned there. And then you just look at his record in major championships and it's it's superb for someone of his, I would say, limitations. He's won the Masters, where you wouldn't make him a favourite. Uh, fourth in the US Open back in 2018. Um, another two top tens at the Masters, a tenth at the Open Championship in 2019. So he's really... His his biggest attribute, Jason, is his competitive as opposed to anything about his golf swing itself. Yeah, we were here last year, weren't we? And I, believe, I think we all agreed about Patrick Reed. Um, and then halfway round, he did a stiff drink as it all fell apart, um, which was amazing, wasn't it? It was absolutely amazing. I think we were all quite shocked. Yeah. Um, that there he was, you know, right up there, and he just let it. It, it just went from him, didn't it? Um, has he got to try too hard? On a short, on a long course, I don't know, but he does seem to find a way of getting into the top ten. Uh, it's just, it's quite incredible, you know. You, you'll see him, and suddenly his name appears on halfway through the third day, or, or as they start moving on on final day. It's, um, I think, he's remarkable. He's he's a man that makes the absolute most of every of what he's got and surpasses it probably. Um, yeah brilliant um, around the greens when he's right which is going to help here uh, yeah again my mind just goes back to last year's last year's US Open and and how he was left behind uh, when he did start missing the fairway it was wasn't a very pretty sight he just I can't remember how he let go but he was he was gone wasn't he I think he let five or six go within, mm. within nine or ten holes it was a horrible thing to watch um, but he's a rock viler um, what, what can you say it's it's this is not his, you know, it's his course, obviously, having won, having won the uh, Farmers. But this doesn't look to be it, does it? 7,700 yards or whatever you want to say. You just look at it and go, he's got to scramble too much to keep up with them. Because um, for me, OK, you know, he's, I'd say he's an average hitter off the tee, as is somebody like Morikawa. But I think Morikawa is just going to keep hitting greens, or I hope he's going to keep hitting greens. Um, Reed, you are trying to... You're... you're trusting his around the green game um, he let it go a couple of times when he came over to Europe um, final day it would surprise me and I'd expect to see his name in the top 12 or so um, whether he can actually win it I, I, I think it's he's, he's too much pressure on his short game yeah well I think, I think it's a couple of comparisons there you, you talked about Morikara and I think like you say there's so much pressure on his short game and, and it's whether you think like you know we're talking about you have to put all that ultimate pressure on Morikawa's iron play to keep competing at the fairway well that is his best asset and Patrick Reed has got to do that with his short game and I don't I don't know that you can score as much as you need to he's kind of constantly going to be saving and, and that is good in the US Open and and you mentioned about someone that gets everything out of his game and, and beyond that and, and I kind of make the lazy comparison to Ian Poulter in the sense that I think Poulter is very much like that, except Poulter hasn't got that major win, and Patrick Reed has. Um, I think they're both kind of similar in that respect. Um, both kind of like to play the villain role, especially in the Ryder Cup. Um, so I think there's a little bit like that about it. But yeah, I think for me, whereas most times I think he's overpriced Ben because of his name and, and who he is and what people think about him, I think he was probably actually slightly on the short side considering the test. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, obviously, he's got a fabulous record at the course. Um, he has lent a little bit on the north course more than perhaps some other players have. He's, he's performed really, really well around there. Another example would be Rory, actually, um, who's got a great record at the north course. Um, the One small um, 
concern with Reed. I don't know. It's probably reading too much into it, but uh, he's led at halfway in the U.S. Open twice, and on both times he had a nightmare Saturday. Seventy-seven mm-hmm. at Wingfoot, seventy-six at Chambers Bay, um, and you know he's he's a very patriotic man. I I know he's won the Masters, but I wonder if this is. Uh, even more important to him potentially um, and he has had a couple of chances and he, he's been very very poor um, and the nature of his game is that th- things can spiral so unlike some of these I don't ever think you would think your place money is safe um, but he's, he's just not for me I, I think he's struggled off the tee too much yeah no completely I, I will Come sorry Tom, I will say I think, I think the uh, American commentators are appalling when they when they mention Patrick it seems like every week Every time he plays a bad shot, they go, oh, he's not going to be, you know, Europe are not going to be scared of him in the Ryder Cup. And they don't say it about any other player. Um, it's really, really weird. The press he gets is, I, I don't know what's true. I don't know, you know, the stories that we often hear. But I, I honestly, I think the commentators are absolutely disgusting. I think their attitude is appalling. But anyway, there you go. I think I think the trouble is there is too much substance to some of the stories that have come out, especially from what I've heard. And I think the commentators have probably picked enough and maybe don't let their their bias go beyond them, as they should be, you know, impartial and just comment on them. You know, I think it's a very mixed bag. Sometimes you you know when he's playing well and 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 kind of leading, you hear about his brilliance, and when you don't, he's probably overly critical. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, the group of players here now: Hideki Matsuyama, Tyrrell Hatton, Scotty Scheffler, Shane Lowry, Will Zalatoris, Paul Casey, Daniel Berger, Jason. Any of those make appeal to you? Uh, Hideki looks slightly outformed, doesn't he? Otherwise, um, I, I'd be hugely interested at forties. I mean, I said that I think um, a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, um, we I think we thought his price was was massive at the PGA. I think mm. um, third round killed him off. Um, wasn't great last week. Um, but yeah, I, I, he's he's the game that we know Hideki's got um, in terms of you know his absolute asset. Everything it, it, everything fits for him to for me to have a, a, a fantastic tournament. Um, his patterns improved from what it was obviously a couple of years ago. So Pauling, he fits in terms of um, Genesis, Farmers. You know he fits everything. In fact, um, every course that I wanted to look at, every asset. It's just he doesn't look quite right having won the Masters um, 40 to 1 is far too big so when we talk about you know Rory's too big JT's too big etc I'm sure 40 to 1 he's not going to finish 20th anyway Tom right um, <laughs> 40 to 1 is too big but he's lately his figures don't don't justify me going in but yeah it's uh, it, it's it's wrong it's wrong but it's right yeah and uh, any notes on any of the others there as well um, sorry, uh, it was just a deck. He was like, it's going to annoy me if he if he wins. Um, where do we go, Tyrrell? Tyrrell, Scheffler, Lowry, Zalatoris, Casey, and yeah, Scotty Scheffler. We need to see him. We need to see him actually do it, don't we? Now, last last week, um, in contention, could have, should have, possibly would have won. Um, I I wasn't that impressed again. Uh, I need to see him win. I certainly can't put him up a US Open to win his first tournament. Um, I'm sure Ben's got a word to say about Shane Lowry. Uh, and Tyrrell was once again. He was, he was quite funny over the weekend. His interviews are brilliant, weren't they? Has he thrown the putter away now? Um, I don't know. He had a much better Sunday, didn't he? Um, threatened the putter. Said he was going to chuck it away and get a new one. Whether you would do that for U.S. Open, I I would doubt. Especially one that's won you so many tournaments. Um, he's he's really interesting. I mean, you know, 
Ben knows I think I, I do like another Englishman in this, which is why I haven't backed Hatton. Um, it's really interesting, really interesting. If it, you know, if it gets really, really tough, um, as we know, these Bay Hill performances and, and you know plenty of other efforts in wind and and uh, having a fight down the stretch, yeah, fifty to one could look really, really big. Um, but I don't know what he's going to do with his path. He went through that spell, didn't he, where it looked like he was really struggling in the majors and the players and WGCs and everything. You know, after after hitting the real heights that he did, he looked like he was you know going backwards in the bigger events. And then he's finished 18th and 38th in the last two, so that was promising. Um, before I come on to you, Ben Shane Lowry for me made a lot of appeal, um, and then his, his his price kind of crashed. And I just kind of see this as a really good test for him. I think he's you know a great driver of the ball when he's on. Um, he's got two top 10s in US Opens in 2016. He arguably should have won before he got that Open Championship win. Um, we know he can do it in, in the biggest of stages. He's playing his best golf of his career stateside. He was T28 at the US Open at Pebble. Um, he was 8th at Bethpage and 12th at Balsas Rail, which are both Reese Jones uh, redesigns. Um, so I thought there was a lot to like. I just thought that when, Ben, you, you normally point out that he's probably a little bit long in the market. I think he's probably been... Um, well back this week, knowing that it's a good chance for him. Yeah, he's been smashed up, hasn't he? And um, that was interesting because I hadn't, hadn't really seen him put up anywhere, but he'd be one of those if he does win. You know, three top tens in his last four, major champion, good course. No reason not to, to like, really. Um, I'm still a little bit wary of his putting. I mean, he, he really did play really well from tee to green uh, in the PGA Championship. I was so relieved that he, he stole a place in the end because it, the way he hit the ball was was worthy of being right up there behind Mickelson. Um, but it, the putter is a bit of a worry because he has changed setup and that's always a bit of a red flag, you know. Um, I, I know he was better at the Memorial, but um, I, I want to see a little bit more from him. But I, I'm a huge Shane Lowry fan, as, as you'll know. And um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's perfectly capable of winning a US Open. Um, so interesting to see how he goes. Uh, just a word on Sheffer. Obviously, he missed the tournament last year um through covid so there's a there's a story there if he does play well um and and i did look at him but you know four top 20s in his four majors uh this year and last including two top eights so um uh, as jason said you you want to see him go and win um which is true of another of my selections as well but um i think we're in that strange period now where you know we, we've seen morikawa win a major straight off the bat matt wolf almost do it um and i think things are just changing a bit and I, I can see a scenario in which someone's first PGA Tour win is, is a major I, whereas I probably wouldn't have thought so um, five or six years ago Yeah and, and and that was exactly the same thoughts for me is I kind of you know you have to respect his, his performances, major championships, respect his performances all the way along on the PGA Tour but like where you say, you know, there's someone that could win, uh, you know, make their major championship their first PGA Tour victory, and, you, and you'll come on to the name in a minute. Um, I think that Scotty Shepherd's had time and and multiple chances now to get that win, whereas uh, the guy you're just about to talk about maybe has, has, you know, has limited opportunities, and you know, maybe major championships are his best chances at the moment. Yeah, that's that's a very fair point. And um, if I'm am I allowed to go on to the yeah, mystery go, man? Yeah, now? go for that, it. <laughs> I think if you if you listen to a, a battle hardened golf podcast like this one and you've not worked it out by now, um, something's gone very wrong. Um, obviously, it's Will Zalatoris, um, who's major form um, right now. He missed a cut in the U.S. Open three years ago, but um, more recently he's been sixth, second, and eighth in in three goes. And um, you know the run will come to an end, but hopefully not before he's uh, bagged another place at least. But um, 
he was seventh at Torrey Pines at the start of the year. He's from California. He spoke at length about how Torrey Pines suits him. He said exactly the things I believe, which is that his length is a huge advantage when everyone's missing fairways. He's used to missing fairways. Um, and, and he's one of the best iron players in the sport already. Um, the, the big concern for me is that the iron play, which will power his first win wherever it comes, was really bad last time. Um, but it was at Colonial, his fourth week running, um, including a top 10 in a major. Maybe he was just running on empty a little bit, and I wouldn't have thought Colonial was necessarily a great fit for him. So um, if you forgive that, I think he looks to have an outstanding chance. And he's one of those, I guess, because of the, the, the lack of a win, I feel like it doesn't matter how well he's playing or how good a fit he is. He can only be so short. Um, and in reality, maybe he has got as good a chance as someone like Patrick Reed or Patrick Cantlay even. But because he's not won yet, he has to be that 40 to 50 to 1 bracket. Um, and although there's a decent chance I'm too late to this, having not backed him at 100 plus in the US Open or whatever he was. I, in fact, I think he might have gone off about 80 for that. Um, and whatever price he was for the Masters and the PGA, um, now getting on after those three, you know, there's an element of closing the stable door after the horse has bolted. But, but hopefully not, because this is made for him uh, and he'll be fine on the greens. Yeah, and I think he's actually said, you know, he came on the podcast here and he spoke about the Masters being his ambition, but I think the US Open was the one that he finds most suited to himself. Certainly got a great temperament for it. The shot that he hit into 18 at the Farmers, you know, his 72nd hole um, was, was absolutely superb back in January. Um, you know, like you say, his iron play has been magnificent. There would have been, I think there'd be a, a slight bit of pressure on him at Colonial because, you know, Texas where he sort of grew up and played his golf a lot of, but like you mentioned in his preview, Ben, and as you mentioned on, on the podcast, he's originally from San Francisco, so he's a California boy uh, at heart. So whether that plays into it, uh, I certainly don't know. But, you know, I think I think there's probably enough juice in his price still, especially at the 50s and 55s that there was earlier, um, to still sort of take a chance on him. Jason, any thoughts on Bulls Zalatoris? No, I've got full respect for Zalatoris. Um, I don't have an opinion either way, expecting to win loads. Um, you know, people have been talking about him for what is it, a year and a half now? Two years, yeah. maybe? Um, let's see him get it done. But, um, yeah, full respect for him. I love the way at the Masters, when he was overtaken, uh, thought his chance had gone and he just wouldn't go away. So I love that. Um, yeah, full respect. He's, he's going to win plenty, isn't he? Um, I, I can't back him at that price. Uh, I, again, it's the, men, it's the mentality of the normal week, isn't it? Because you can't back him in this field at that price first six. But you are getting, you know, nine, ten, eleven places, so... Yeah, he's, he's, he's clearly fits in this class. Um, yeah, no complaints. Paul Casey, Ben, um, has been playing some excellent golf this year, probably some of the best of his career. Um, Jason and I spoke about how impressed we were at Harding Park and how it kind of, he got beat there as opposed to actually throwing it away, which has been the kind of knocking him in the past. Um, fine record in California, you know, Pebble Beach and, and Riviera a couple of times. Um, so certainly it looks like it would fit him this week yeah and I think he's playing better now than he was in the spring ahead of the Masters and I know the Masters is you know it's probably an easier tournament to win in some respects there's certainly fewer players to beat uh, and not quite the same depth but ultimately at the top end we're talking about the same potential winners aren't we no, it's all the same guys um, everyone who had a chance to win the Masters is in this field um, and I do think his form's a bit better. I, certainly from tee to green, he's, he's been top four. His last three starts in strokes gained tee to green. Uh, his iron play is, is brilliant. Um, off the tee, you know, twice in the top five in his last three starts. 
I think he's playing as well as he's ever been as he's ever played really um and I, I do kind of think you know th there's a chance you sort of overestimate the whole psychology of it but I think we've seen with Lee Westwood right he's he's gone through some difficult years in his life off the course some problems with his manager and 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 a by all accounts a slightly complicated divorce um and now he's come he's got a new lease of life and all westwood will say is oh just not bothered about the result i just i just play and it's fun and and we all know that when in the final round at sawgrass when you know he started to hit worse shots it's because he does care about the result he does want to win the players championship um and the same will apply to casey if he gets in the mix but in terms of building a platform for success over the first two three days of a major and and being able to relax into it um, I think that attitude goes a long way, and I think Casey has it absolutely spot on, and I do think it's why he started to win tournaments again. Um, I think he comes over to Europe and thinks, yeah, I'm better than these guys, and when he's in the PGA Tour, he thinks, no, I can beat these guys, and, and I don't necessarily think that was the case. So I guess that's a background to why Paul Casey's playing the best golf of his life. Um, I do think there's some relevance in the fact that he's just seen Mickelson win. Uh, both went to Arizona, but that's probably more of an anecdote. It's it's more the fact that he's you know he's 50 years old, and a guy like Casey can see that and believe that he he can win a major. And I think he's one where, I mean, everyone gives him stick for not winning. Um, he's definitely blown some chances, but he's looking for his 20th pro win. So let's not let's not write him off as someone who doesn't know how to get the job done. But the other thing is for me, you can look at his major record and you can find some top tens back in the day and stuff, but. How many times can you remember Paul Casey having a chance to win a major? And I think he's had his best chances in the last couple of years. And that's, again, just underlines to me that he's playing the best golf of his career. So there's no more to it than that, really, apart from the fact that he's got uh, four arms as wide as two of my legs. And I think that will be a, a massive advantage um, at, at Torrey Pines, where he played fine. Um, he's not got spectacular course form, but I think he's playing better now than four years ago when he finished just outside the top 20. So um, he just looks rock solid, doesn't he? Um, that's about it. Yeah, my, my only concern was the fact that of, of the majors, the US Open has been, you know, probably his his least favourite. I know he's had a couple of times where he's led after after a round, but kind of gone the wrong way. Um, but his California record is, like I said before, is, is absolutely superb. And, and Jason, you, you kind of, I think you kind of changed your mind on Casey an awful lot after the Harding Park. Uh, I've backed him this week, and I've put him up as the special on the uh, Sporting Life thing that goes out whenever that goes out. Um, tomorrow. Spoiler, tomorrow. Spoiler alert. Yeah, you've yeah, ruined no, that no, one. No problem. No problem. So, yeah. So, um, for me, I, I was very very happy I, it's, I mean it's, it is a coincidence that both it's both Morikawa and Casey one and two at uh, Harding Park um, that I have actually better they're, they're my two main bets but yeah absolutely I mean he's got he's got those what I liked is that we can say about oh you've got form at Riviera blah 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 Pebble but Casey's not only got that second rate at Pebble but he's he's got that fifth this year you know he's had 10 starts in 21 he's one missed cut of their heritage second round of 68 his worst effort is a 26 at the Masters. He's won once, got six top 10s, 12, 21st, and 26. Um, and in proper tournaments. So, you know, at the Arnold Palmer, at Bay Hill, at Pebble Beach, top five at the players. You know, PGA, again, like, like we said, you know, top four on a course that could have got him out. Um, and, of course, last week was just, he just turned up for the money. Um, and to be honest, I think if that had been four rounds, he'd have won it. Um, and that's just, you know, him turning up just to, you know, swing the ball and earn a few million. Um, yeah, I absolutely love the way he's playing at the moment. I thought his win in Dubai um, was excellent. He looked very, very comfortable in front. Um, could have won again um, since then. But he, he looks at peak. And, and it was, we've discussed it all the time. His attitude when he was getting beat at Harding Park 
where he was actually smiling. Um, it, whether he was appreciating what uh, what everybody else was doing, whether he was just happy with his game, I think that's going to you know when this course when this tournament starts getting to nitty gritty, late on Saturday through Sunday, that attitude is going to is going to really really benefit him. Um, I put him up for top twenty. I, I, we only had one show earlier. Um, hopefully that's been changed to the fifteenth or eight that is available. Um, I think that's a, an amazing bet. Um, and equally, I think fifty to one for him to uh, be on the front page of the board um, at worst um, is absolutely. I mean, it's only really his age that that takes him out of the qualifying status. He's got everything else. You know, he's top thirty in the world. He's you know, he's got the top fives. He's got to win that season. Love it a bit. Um, I looked at him top Englishman as well, but um, I just felt that that you know it's boringly safer to take the top twenty. So I'm expecting big things off Casey this week. He'll drive it long enough. He'll find enough fairways, certainly field average anyway, above field average. Um, and, and, yeah, he's very, very confident at the moment. Um, yeah, let's see what we can do. That, the other thing is at Harding Park, he was second tee to green, fourth in approach. Went on to Kiowa, third tee to green, fourth in approach. Pebble, he's eighth in approach to green, 17th in tee to green. You know, his, his, um, his game from, you know, tee to the short stuff is spot on. And it really has to benefit this week. He's not going to have to be scrambling around like somebody like uh, Patrick Reed. Um, he's going to be up there with the best of them. And just hope that he can do that for 72 holes and his 43-year-old legs and arms don't um, fade away. And I think as well, um, if he does continue in this form, he's going to be so important. I know this isn't a Ryder Cup podcast, but he's going to be so important for Europe. We've had, you know, I know Westwood will probably play, but Westwood's played that leading role over the years, hasn't he? And I think it's time to give that to Casey um, as a as a senior member of the team to to go out and do it. Um, and I think if you saw him at the last Ryder Cup, he was in tears after after I think Friday um winning a point um after the the ups and downs he's had the relationship he's had with with europe as a whole and, and team europe um i think he understood what it meant to him and um it could be a massive massive part of of europe's success or otherwise but yeah fingers crossed uh he uh, he can go there as a major champion yep absolutely i am gonna take you both on though in the in the top english market in the end uh justin rose uh for me i just I really liked Casey, and then I kind of just looked more in his USO from record, and and was it was a little bit put off. And, and Justin Rose obviously won in 2013 at Merion, um, but it but it's just his his form in the majors this year has just been spectacular. Um, he you know had that great chance at the Masters, which he didn't really kick on after after 36, but you know I thought he he played spectacularly well for the first two days. Um, you know eight for the PGA Championship. 20th at last time out at Colonial was it was a fairly decent warm-up he's been first and sixth the last two starts uh, first at PGA in strokes game putting he was also 17th off the tee there um and you know when you look at his Reese Jones form you know he was one at Coghill he's one at Aronim Inc um and Congressional uh he also won here in 2019 he lost in a playoff at Aronim Inc in BMW in 2018 won the Memorial on Poa Greens he was third at the US Open at Pebble in 2019, ninth in Harding Park, so he clearly likes California. Um, so for me, I just thought that I'd be concerned if it is general body of form, but his majors this year have been have been great. Um, and, and I just thought, you know, depending on where you look at the places, that slightly bigger price than versus Casey for me, Jason, was, was enough for me to take him into the casing. Yeah, I don't talk about Merriam because I had one of my biggest major bets on Phil. Um, 
Uh, you're always doing that, aren't you? Bringing up people that sort of nab me on the line or something. Yeah, I mean, it's not intentional, but it's quite funny all the same. <laughs> they're hard to, they're hard to avoid, aren't they? <laughs> um, so, yeah, do you know what? He's amazed me. I wrote him off. I think we, we had a podcast. Um, and I, I wrote him off and, yeah. Well, I backed him at Saudi, didn't I, at the same price, yes. Um, yes. and I was amazed at the fact that he was 61 European tour field, and you, you kind of almost laughed at me, and I think Sky did as well, um, and he played incredibly well there. Uh, and I know he's the same price in a, in a stronger field, but to me, I just thought that with all that sort of the Reese Jones, I don't, you know, I don't, you don't put too much yes. stock into it because they're just redesigns, but I think that's there's something about that, and the fact that he's clearly tailoring his schedule like Adam Scott does, like you know Paul Casey does to an extent around these big tournaments I, I just think there's probably one more major championship in him and it's going to be one of these or the masters yeah yeah i i yeah I, i'm not arguing i mean that's where he's turning up isn't he just he's grinding it out grinding it out. i remember we talked about saudi and that actually when he got there i don't think he could believe it and then started nausing up a couple of holes didn't he mm. um but nevertheless yeah look it's you you can compare and contrast i think casey's going as you say i think casey played the best golf of his career whereas i don't think rose obviously not no he's, he's holding on but he's terrier like I, I always i always return to the same thing he said 100 years ago where he said even if he's in 56th place on a sunday he would play the round as if he was in front as if he was in contention i'm sure he doesn't do that anymore he doesn't need to do that anymore he's got other things going on um but it does appear that that he can just stand around and, and hold his ground whilst others fall apart so yeah, I much prefer Casey, but I can't argue with your, with your argument. Any thoughts, Ben, on Justin Rose? Not, not really. I mean, it, it, from a statistical point of view, which is thoroughly dull, his iron play would worry me. I mean, mm. it's, it's a strange thing. He, he's become almost like a, a lower-grade version of Kepka, hasn't he, that um, something somewhere will misfire. Um, but when if you, you do have that hope that, yeah, if he drives it as well as he did in Abu Dhabi and if he hits his approaches as well as he did in Saudi and if he puts as well as he did in the USPGA, all of a sudden everything is there. Um, and I think I'd rather see that in some ways than someone who has got a consistent problem um, in, in a certain department. It very much is the cliche of just putting it all together um, over four rounds. And if he's going to do it, then, then I agree with you to take him in a major rather than backing him at 20 to one in, you know, the John Deere classic, not he'll play the John Deere classic, but you get the point. Um, a fascinating thing for me is, will he, I'm, I, again, I mentioned the Ryder Cup, I'll stop it. Will he make the Ryder Cup side? I mean, he's, he's quite a long way out of it at the moment um, and he'll know that. So it'll be interesting to see how he plays over the next three months. Yeah, and I think he is a player that's very prideful in those sort of team environment. He wants to get into the Ryder Cup teams, as everybody does, but I think he puts, you know, the way he talks about the Olympic win and how big that was for him, he's very much part of, he wants to represent his country and in, in, in Europe. So I think that would be a big factor for him. Uh, my next selection is at 80 to 1. So, Jason, have you got any others between then? Um, I, mean, I have to be honest. Oh, well, he might have because I think he's been he's been chopped, hasn't he? I mean, I was interested in Coke Rack. Um, He's got um, Riviera form on a palm form. He tends to repeat the same track. He hasn't got a lot here, but off the tee, greens and reg, total driving. Um, and he's the sort of player that he, he reminds me a bit of like Gary Woodland in that, um, you know, sometimes you think he's going to be better than, than he probably is, to be honest with you. But Woodland managed to win one. Um, so why not Coke Rake? He's got okay form around here. Um, his irons were absolutely dulled in at Charles Schwab. Um, I, I'm not sure he's a major a major candidate to be honest but this is the US Open and it's you know it's the word open in there for a reason 
but the hundredth one has gone now, so I've got no real interest. So you can carry on. Yeah, I mean, like like you say, I think that it is a pricing for me because the hundredth one, and I kind of got the impression he was going to be popular purely because of the total driving aspect. Everyone talks about total driving. Jason Kokrat's always at the top of that. It's always been a strength of his. Um, the one thing I would say is that you know his major record is poor because he's never really been in the form he's in now, and all of a sudden he you know looks like he could potentially contend in one. The seventeenth. Uh, wing foot was obviously an, an impression um and then he was 19th at balls run 2018 at the pga so um you know that there's been sort of signs that this could happen and you know now he's got those two wins is that kind of a, a big you know monkey off his back and, and he can go on and, and start performing the bigger events i don't know um but instead of having all the question marks i went with someone different in, in adam scott um I kind of thought he'd be more popular this week and, and I was quite surprised that he still hung around at 66s at 11 places. Um, talking about all those places uh, that Justin Rose has played well in, the, the Reese Jones, he's played well at Bill Reeve, he was third at the 2018 PGA, um, he was fourth at Cog Hill, um, he was fourth again at Bethpage Black, at, you know, you know, at Barclays and at the PGA as well, tied eighth. So he's really, really impressive. Fourth at Borders role, he's won Riviera twice, which is, is obviously a good pointer. He's played really, really well in his two starts here. Um, you know, of course, he's never, you know, turned up at. He's never put it in his schedule, and then he comes and finishes second on debut and tenth in his last start. So, you know, I was kind of impressed with that, and I thought that although he does appear to be kind of waning away from that consistency that we've kind of always been accustomed to of Adam Scott, Ben, I, I think that he's still flashing in the right places enough to uh, to impress. And sixteenth last time out certainly didn't do any harm. Yeah, I put him up at the Memorial um, for many of the same sort of reasons, really. He's got a great record in that tournament as well. Um, he finished 16th without his long game firing. Um, and that's actually, you look at the stats, He's at the moment, he's a good putter who can't hit the ball, which is bizarre, mm. isn't it? But um, clearly, a bit like Rose, you know, he's had a brilliant driving performance this year. He's had a brilliant iron play performance this year. His around the green game has remained good. Um, as it's always been a little underestimated that element of his game as well so every, all the little elements are there he's obviously I mean I, I think of all the players who struggled post lockdown um, I think Adam Scott's the one who you could argue was hit hardest because he'd won his last two starts yeah. um, um, well he'd won two of his last four starts sorry and then since then he's his best finish is 10th but it came at Tory Pines um, I put him up then at 40s as well um, yeah I I there's nothing I can say that, except that I don't think he's quite. I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> but you know, you know that, don't you? Um, the one thing I do really like, I think, if you, if if someone who doesn't um, bet on golf doesn't worry about watching it, but just likes to make money, ask me for a bet of the week. You can bet him and Leishman in the top Aussie market. Um, there are seven of them but three of them are Wade Ormsby, Brad Kennedy, and Stephen Allen. With the best of respect to all three men, I think they'll all miss the cup by a long okay. way. Um, Matt Jones has not got a very good record here. He, he has got one 64, I think, if you go back far enough, but he, he's not a Tory Pines player for me. I think this is a three-horse race between Cameron Smith, Mark Leishman, and Adam Scott. You can back Leishman and Scott together at 10 to 11 um, against Cameron Smith, who's form has just started to nosedive and, and who has not got form here really. 
Um, I, th I think that's amazing. I really do. For for Leishman, who of course the Tory Pines winner, and Adam Scott, who who might as well be. I think it's a brilliant way to play that market. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I, that's amazing that you, you kind of put that together. And I, I think, like you said, there there is the worry that he's he's not fired in all cylinders. I kind of saw that as an opportunity that he's kind of played well at Memorial, played well at Honda, played well at Farmers without having all of his elements of his game. This is somewhere that he's gained strokes in putting over the last two starts, and that's not something he's really used to. The worry would be the 54 foot the Masters and miscut the PGA, which are the, you know normally is bread and butter in the Masters uh, in the majors. Sorry, uh, Jason, I kind of know your general feelings on Adam Scott, but did you, did you think anything of him this week? No, cheers. <laughs> that, was, that was kind of you know what I expected. So uh, you know I've only got one more in the. Uh, in the triple digits and and then i'm done so you know we focus heavily on the top part of the market but i think for good reason i mean ben you're all done at, at 45 to 1 and, and shorter so you know there's no need to sort of go through player by player we can sort of certainly speak of people that have been um slightly missed out on the short list maybe but jason have you got any others no i haven't mate no um nah, there was a couple i looked at i mean it'd be fascinating to see how will k9 angling um, does this week you talk about length, um, but that's boring, isn't it? So we won't talk about him. Um, no, I think all the rest, you know, somebody's going to be there, aren't they, in the top 20? But ultimately, I think this is going to be people that have got the experience of this type of, of course. Um, you might get a shot first round leader, mightn't you? But I'll leave that to, to better people than me. Uh, but overall, come Sunday night, I think you'll find that five or six of the top 10, at least, are going to be filled with five or six of the top 15 in the market. So... I'm very happy what I've got with a couple on the sidelines. Um, and I'll let Ben finish with, um, yeah, pretty fascinating bet. Go on, Ben, give us your, your fascinating bet. <laughs> well, it was going to be Chan Kim in all kinds of markets. Now, um, someone somewhere has put him up, someone of influence as well. So good luck to them because the, the price is, is he's been cut in every market. But um, in in brief, Chan Kim is is one of the longest hitters in the field. Um, he regularly tops the driving distance charts in the Japan Golf Tour, where he's a five-time winner. Four of those wins under really tough conditions. He's won a tournament in one over par. I think it was the Japan Open. Now, I'm not going to tell you, you know, you've got Hoshino as well, who's, you know, they're, their world ranking sometimes does flatter them. I don't want to sound like Grayson Murray, but I, I, I don't, you can't say, oh, he's 70th in the world and, you know, so's so-and-so and he's 100 to one and this guy's 1,000 because it is a different, it's a different type of challenge um, for a lot of these guys. But Chan Kim is, is American. He was raised in Hawaii. He went to college briefly in Arizona where he's very good. Um, but more, more relevant, he's playing the best golf of his career, I think. Um, he, he won his US Open qualifier 10 days ago in California. Um, as I said, he's a huge hitter, um, and he was 27th in the US PGA uh, three weeks ago. You know, a, I think he was one of the best rounds on Sunday, so he came from the clouds. Um, you go back to 2017, he was 11th at Birkdale in the Open. He's only played in eight of them, and that's two very good performances. Um, even this year, he played at the uh, the WGC Workday uh, at the concession. He finished 35th. Now, that's of about 72 players, but most of them world class. He hadn't played all year. It was his debut for the year. Um, and he came out and finished 35th. And he th I, I think he's he's good. Um, I think he's better than his odds anyway. Um, the problem is how do you play him? 500 to 1 with 11 places, okay. Realistically, you're trying to get 8th to 11th there. I, I 
you know there is a top end of expectations here um there were some fancy prices around for top 10s top 20s top 40s but they are all getting taken as i speak um the one there is one market which is top american and quite a lot of the time these markets just get left alone and that's the one where his price hasn't moved again can you see him being the top american probably not but he is 300 to 1 um in that market so that might be the way to play him but uh it's it's one of those people have cottoned on a little bit if i can just mention two other outsiders tom sergio garcia at 100 to 1 every time i talk about majors with you guys i talk about how bad he is at them um because he is he's missed 11 of his last 15 cuts but now we go to a course we know he operates at uh, he has had a 54 hole lead here he played okay in 2008 as well um and he's 100 to 1 and he played well for three rounds at Colonial, and that's kind of hidden because he had a bad final round. He can't, or he can't just go on doing this, can he? But maybe he can. I don't know. So, so I thought of him at 100 to one. And one of the players I want to play in some market is Jordan Smith, whether that's top Englishman, top 20, something like that. Um, we probably all know he has top 10 in a major at the 2017 PGA. That's from I think three tries. Um, he's back in similar form. Uh, his preparation is the same. He won the European Open two weeks before that PGA this time I think he was eighth or whatever he was uh, in a 54 hole event crucially he's hitting the ball really well again driving as well as anyone on the European tour and he's found a bit of a short game and that's all he needs he's a hugely talented player as, as I know you guys know um, and I thought 400 500 to 1 did underestimate him at a course where his prodigious length will be an advantage but again what are you actually playing for there's no win there is there he's not going to win the, the us open so um the, it's about getting creative and, and finding a way to profit from from what i think will be a good performance well you've put that as eloquently as, as i would as i would want to for, for jordan smith and i can now just chop that up and use that in my european tour show tomorrow on youtube um because that's exactly the sort of person i was going to put in for that having to focus on just European tour players. One thing of Chan Kim, and, and you know, he's still 1,000-1 to one on Betfair, so you can still back him if you do think he can win. Is there a, a slight element, Jason and, and Ben, I'll let you come on in a sec as well. Um, you know, Todd Hamilton won an Open Championship after you know, playing incredibly well in, on the Japan Tour, winning multiple times. I know he's not quite to that level uh, in terms of the wins, but they, they do. If the Americans go off and abroad, they do get forgotten about and they do get underestimated because it's not the fact they won the PJ Tour and they probably can't do it there. Um, but like, like Ben said, he's had a couple of really good major performances and it might just be uh, a case that he does finish in the top you know, 12, you know, 11. If he gets to the top 11 at 500 to 1, it's going to be very pleasing. Uh, let's, see, let's see it happen. Absolutely fantastic. I love that sort of thing. Um, I love the Jordan Smith thing as well. People were huge fans of Jordan. Um, and yeah, you are right. He's showing he's showing short games thing. And, and once he gets that right, then he'll win Portugal, won't he? Um, that's what we've been, trying, <laughs> we've been trying for the last few years. Uh, but yeah, fascinating about Chan Kim. You know, that's what we love. That's, that's you know, we can all talk about the top lot, but that's what we, you know, that's what we want to read. That's what we want to listen to. And it does happen. You know, I know one of our Twitter right, he hit a 250 to one winner on the uh, LPGA Tour. Um, uh, sorry, yeah, on the LPGA Tour last week, Ben hit 150 to one. This is a bit of a bigger ask, but absolutely, why not? Hope, hope he lands a top 20 for you, all you people who are on. A couple of shorter players other than Chang Kim, and one that I'm, I'm really Keane's probably the wrong word because there's so much stats against him as there was Phil Mickelson at the PGA Championship but Stuart Sink I thought would you know he's playing such great golf and he's got a pretty horrible US Open record but the one time he did perform well was uh, when he was 14th here in 2008 
Um, you know, and there's very few, I think there's 14 players that return in from that US Open and, and only Westwood of those have finished best than him here. Um, you know, he's won at Travellers and the Safeway on Poa Green, Safeway obviously more recently. Um, you know, looking at his, his last half a dozen major appearances, uh, tie 24, 4th miscut, tie 20th, 12th, tie 30th. That tie 4th come at Bulls Patrol, which is Reese Jones' uh, redesign. When you go back through the years at, you know, Bell Reeve and Coghill and, and places like that, he, he pops up all, all across those. So if there's anything in those Reese Jones redesigns, then I think that could that really play for him. And I think, you know, when you look at his length now, he averages 305 off the tee. So that's not going to be a concern, which some people may consider before looking at, you know, his statistics. Um, so, yeah, you know, looking at recent winners, he's up there twice in the season. Um, he's, he's gone slightly off the ball over the last three performances, but he's still 12th and 30th in his last two major starts. So I thought there was, I don't think he's been missed in the market. I thought he was, you know, short enough, really. But I, I still thought there was enough juice in it at the price. Um, and Max Homer, which I thought, uh, Jason, you might have come on to as, as a big fan. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, I did look at him. Yeah. Because, you know, California boy, and as you'd expect, he plays incredibly well there. You know, he won Riviera, as we talked about when we talked about Finau. Um, he was 7th at Pebble Beach, 18th here, uh, 21st again at the American Express, where he was, you know, first after 54 holes. He's got a 5th and a ninth again at Riviera and uh, Pebble Beach last year. So he clearly likes home comforts. Um, his major record just put me off in the end. Um, but Ben, any thoughts on the Chan Kim slash Todd Hamilton comparison? Oh, why not? Yeah, it sounds good to me. That's a, another line I can throw in there. But um, yeah, look, um, it'll be fascinating to see. The one thing we, we should probably acknowledge is this this thing was nearly won by a 500 to one shot in 2008. You know, like it, it, it doesn't mean that Tory Pines is more predisposed to that. But were it not for a superhuman, and I think people forget, we all see that putt, don't we, of Tiger Woods on the 18th green to force a playoff. What gets forgotten is that a day later they came back, and despite having been, I think he was three up early on, Tiger was one down playing the last. Um, the 18th hole of the Monday playoff, he was one down to Rocco Mediate, who then had about a 15, 20-foot birdie putt to win the US Open. So it was nearly won by a 500-to-one shot, and I guess to, towards your Homer point, uh, Tom, if you look at Rocco back then, nothing really to recommend him except the, the two weeks before he finished sixth or fifth at the Memorial, which is what Homer's just done as well. So um, I think the one thing I would say as a sort of overarching thing is if someone's playing well, um, you know, and you feel that someone is arriving with confidence and faith in their own game, whether that's a 25 to one shot in Patrick Cantlay or whether that's 250 to one Johnny Vegas, who was second last week and loves Tory Pines. That, that confidence goes a long way in a US Open. It's very hard. I think you'll hear people say it's very hard to fake it. Um, it's very hard to come here with doubts about your game and and, and overcome them. So at their own levels, um, if, even if you segment the field, looking for those guys who really feel like they're, they're building in the right direction is, is a massive thing. And I think all the outsiders we've talked about there, uh, they would all apply, right, in a way that certain other ones would not and you know jimmy walker would be another you know can he build on a top six finish last time we'll, we'll find out and, and obviously most of them will fail but i feel certain that if we do see a 300 to one shot um in the top 10 it will be someone who's done something recently because that's generally the the surest route to uh, working out these leaderboards yeah absolutely and just uh, just one final point on uh, rocker media he'd finished uh, tied seventh at congressional 
um, at the, the AT&T National and, and that was somewhere that Ryuji Amada had played very well he'd won and, and finished second there and he played well in this in 2008 he was 18th as well Tiger Woods has obviously won there a couple of times dominated here Brent Snedeker's played well there and won here so you know maybe there's just a little bit of a link for Congressional where, where Rose has won so that sort of came up in my research and I just think that you know, we talk about these correlated courses, and at the end of the day, I think you know the the, the best people with the best form and the, you know striking the ball tend to win, regardless of all the lengths of courses. But I do think there will be long shot players that have got form on those courses. Brendan Steele's, Steele's name popped up a couple of times. You talk about fantasy options. You know, that's where I think you're looking at now. If you if you're a DraftKings player, I think there's a whole host of names that we could probably give you. We spent another hour talking about them, um, like Johnny Vegas, Troy Merritt's been playing very well. So there's there's lots of names that I think could could perform without actually you know challenging the lead but we've kind of focused on that top of the market where we think the winners can come from and, and given a few names further down the board so i think we've done our job there gents um it's incredibly warm in this room so i am going to be uh, relieved when uh, this podcast is over despite the fact i've enjoyed talking to you both immensely um jason any final points on the us open this week no, no, no. You mentioned people of interest. Sam Burns. I thought I'd be interested to see how he plays. Um, I don't think he can be good enough around the greens, to be honest with you. And and the just the other one that came up on on the chart was um, Corey Connors. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think any of us forgive me think that he's good enough. But that eighth of them, you know, I didn't think he was good enough to get eighth of the Masters and could have been obviously a lot better. Um, could have been a lot better than top twenty at the PGA. Um, you know players is top 10 at the AP is third um, he came up on, on a lot of it but I, I had to look twice at it and unfortunately got a line for him but wouldn't surprise me to see him do what he did at those two majors and maybe you know, be up there if he's a first I see what price is for a first round leader I know they bet every round second round leader because he does seem to be able to to get into contention before you know flying away but no no fascinating thing obviously we've got Guido there um, Garrett Kigo kicking on Lots of European interest. You know, fantastic stuff. Robert McIntyre can warm up for our Open. Um, it's great. Yeah, and, you know, just at one point on Connors there, I, just, I was just, you know, largely disappointed with how he reacted when went in front at the PGA Championship. I know, you know, he's inexperienced in that and, and it's a learning curve, but that would be the one concern for me, as you said there. Sam Burns, you know, the opportunity to play a major after having to withdraw from the PGA Championship. Um, you know, he's got, every opportunity to kick on here you'd, you'd think his game would be suited and he's played very well in california as well so just to point on those two bits ben any more bits from you um i was fascinated to see how you two would play the top italian market where your loyalties are split between <laughs> guido migliosi and eduardo molinari but one of those is going to beat frankie right and i think eduardo at five to two might be the play but i don't know um yeah i'm looking i'm diving through the specials wading through the specials to be a better word um and trying to find a, another bet or two but um i'm looking forward to it the only downside for me and i'm sure it's the case for for well at least you jason but tom you're young and and you just worry about <laughs> you can just worry about yourself but i have to go to bed at 3am and then get up at 7am for four days so by monday i'll have a hangover but hopefully it's one of those uh, sort of exalted ones where you feel um that's the wrong word where you know one of those hangovers where you just feel like life is good despite the pain in your head um so that means paul casey winning fingers crossed yeah absolutely that would be very nice indeed um eduardo molinari obviously a u.s amateur winner has done it in the states so you know it could be the way he's hitting the ball i mean like i say if anyone else could putt for him including his caddy it'd be handy if francesco was his caddy this time rather than him caddying for francesco but um you know it 
it's a tight market and those specials i'm sure you guys will do a good job of covering those over the next few days uh on the sporting life so if anyone hasn't by this point checked out ben's preview please do uh jason will be putting his points up there as well on sportinglife.com um and gents i'll just thank you very much for coming on and uh best of luck for the week always good fun speak to you again in july i guess yes absolutely <laughs> no 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 no. we'll get you on for a proper tournament so he's always welcome but we have to actually invite him on but outside the majors don't we so we can't afford him we can't afford him for the others that's why no that's it that's why you know i can't afford air conditioning in this house that's why i'm sweating so much please pay the bills first before you think about paying any (laughs) guests tom let alone me at least of all me absolutely right thank you gents and uh, take care